Welcome everybody to another one of my uh, podcasts and today I have uh, Rob Turley from um, White Rabbit. Uh, welcome Rob. Yeah, it's good to be here Alex, thank you. That's my uh, my pleasure. Now, um, Rob describes, well Rob, I'm just reading Rob's LinkedIn profile here. AI is my sword, sales data is my shield. The AI sales revolution has become, arm yourselves brothers and sisters to sell as we've never sold before with advanced opportunity prediction technology. I mean, as headlines go on LinkedIn, that's a freaking awesome headline. But in the world of sales and marketing, in the worlds of, um, for those that are listening, I'm doing the inverted commas, uh, AI and data. Sometimes that kind of, we get a bit of an eye roll and, uh, and really. So I was really interested to get Rob onto this podcast who actually, um, White Rabbit popped up in a WhatsApp group. I'm a member of the sales board. And I think Rob, you're, you're now a member um, uh, too, where somebody mentioned what you, you do. So without me, no doubt screwing things up, let's... <laughs> Let's let you take the lead because I've already got it got it wrong when we were when we were off uh, off air as it were. Um, Rob, your your background, your story, and then let's see where this uh, this takes us. Sure, yeah. So uh, I'm Rob Turley. I'm co-founder, co-CEO at Rabbit Intel, and uh, yeah, we build artificial intelligence technology. So none of that bullshit that you hear about that buzzword AI, where people are building this half-assed, lame ML garbage that's statistical analyses at best. Okay, we don't do that. We build the real thing. And that's very rare to find. I know a lot of people who own artificial intelligence companies or quote unquote AI companies. And out of the hundreds that there are, there's probably only um, maybe 20 to 25 of us who build the real thing. So what, so just pausing there then, I remember seeing a report, I think last summer or before it would have been the summer before where something said, you know, out of all the European AI startups, like only 10% of them were actually <laughs> truly AI. So in, in, in your word, in your world for lame, you know, lay people like me and my listeners, what, what truly is an AI company then? So it depends on what they're building. Uh, the problem okay. with it is that people are mislabeling the word um, or they're misjudging what they have. Mm -hmm. uh, they honestly don't know what it is that they have. Yep. So there's a difference. That Now, AI is not necessarily machine learning and machine learning is not necessarily AI. Machine mm -hmm. learning is just the type of, of algorithmic calculation. That's all mm -hmm. it is. So there, there's a lot of misconstrued things there. Um, there's also different kinds of AI. There's unsupervised and then there's supervised. Supervised AI means that some programmer set all the rules saying this is how it works and this is the outcome that we want and we have to tell it what to do because that means uh, that's correct. Mm -hmm. So some biased human makes all the rules. Uh, now, unsupervised machine learning, that's when it takes all the data and it does its own logic. That's when it starts getting very interesting. Okay. So that's the type of artificial intelligence we do. So you're um, in the un, you're in the unsupervised AI um, world. Okay, cool. So, yeah. um, what is it that what, what is the problem that you are trying to, to to solve then in the world of you know sales, and then how how have you started or how are you going about doing that with your technology? Sure. So the ultimate issue, right, is is it a good prospect? Is it a bad prospect? Right. Yeah. Uh, also, who to target, or who to contact specifically. So what we've done is that we've created a sales enablement solution. So like you saw in the tagline, 
and admittedly that tagline took me like 45 minutes to come up with <laughs> so yeah it was pretty well crafted i think but uh what we're doing is that we break down sales data we into the tiniest little molecules possible mm -hmm. so you could see everything that's going on deeper than any crm's report could ever tell you but it, also you have to you have to tell a report what you want this doesn't do that this shows you everything whether you like it or not right uh, for, uh and it's the truth behind your sales for truth's own sake. There's no excuses. There's no thing that you're asking for. It just is what it is. Um, so you can identify the pain points. You can identify patterns within your sales structure and marketing structure that you wouldn't see otherwise. And you can identify what's missing and so on. Uh, after that, we're able to, to create and generate ideal customer personas that are specific to either the sales person, the team, mm -hmm. or the entire company so that you can now target specifically who you sell to at the most granular level. This is who you target mathematically perfected. From there, you could take leads or a prospect list, run it through the system, and we will tell you, um, here are your opportunities, here are your maybes, and then the rest of these are a total waste of your time. So we're cutting out up to 95% of all the dead end leads before you even speak to them in minutes. How we, I mean, that's, I mean, that sounds awesome and incredible, almost, you know, too good to be true. And we all know that when something's too good to be true, it generally uh, is in, uh, in life. So let's just unpack that a little bit and start at, at, at the top, um, looking at the sales data or the, or the marketing data. And it was really interesting because I did a podcast a couple of weeks ago with Seth Martz from um, Forrester. I was talking about guided selling and he's saying that the, the holy grail is for sales and marketing data stack to be wholly integrated but no one even knows where to start in order to do that to then start to leverage everything else that will come with um with guided selling now it sounds like that that's you you are solving that problem but we all know that data is the biggest challenge in in all of this so at that top layer where is that data coming from that you're doing that initial analysis down to a molecular level to start to get an understanding of where the gaps are what the trends are and what the patterns are yeah there are plenty of skeptics out there sure we get it all the time uh, and so far, knock on wood, our ideal customer persona has literally never been wrong mm -hmm. yet. Yes. So, um, when it comes to that, it just means that the math is correct. We're just really freaking good at math. Yeah. It's just all, it's all mathematical. Everything follows the rules of nature. And that's just it. It's just that data is not the problem. Well, often with a lot of businesses, it is because they don't track shit. Yeah. Excuse my language, but it's it's just god awful. I, I yep. mean, what some of the stuff that I've seen doing what I'm doing, I've seen literally hundreds and hundreds of companies' data broken down, and they don't have anything. I don't even know how they exist. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but the problem is not the data. The problem is what you do with the data. How do you make the data actionable? How do you process mm -hmm. it? How do you make it happen? So. People don't understand what to do with it. These enterprises that are out there. I mean, even enterprises. Yep. They have tons and tons of data, but there's nothing that they're doing with it to make it actionable. I mean, we're going to be working with several enterprises and they're not doing anything with it. It just sits there. And then at best, they just sell the data. So what sort, what sort, of, what sort of data are we, you know, if I'm, if I'm a, a CRO or a, you know, sales director, whatever, and I, I'm, I come to you and then you, you sort of say, right, what data have you, have you got? What, what would you expect to see in some shape or form, no matter how kind of bad it is, what, what kind of data points typically would you expect 
or do you need to start with it was you know ignore whether the data is good or not what do you kind of what's the base starting point to start people on this journey to work with white rabbit intel to then get to that at that end goal of we've got to where we know we know we plug this in and now these are the people you should contact these are maybes and these people we should forget about oh so oh yeah for sure so for core functionality um you, we only need first name last name company name work email address and their linkedin url okay we take so care that, of the rest. The reason why we need so little is because we source all of our own data. Those sources, I will not tell you where, but we source all of our own data. It's all GDPR and CCPA yeah. compliant. But CRM data is not to be trusted because 84% of the time, it's either completely inaccurate or yep. it's stale. Got you. So it's that, it's, it's, it's that granular. Most, well, most, yeah, I agree with you. CRMs have some kind of vague, you know, first name, surname, email. And then, you know, if you've got your, your LinkedIn a URL there as, as well. Okay, so then from that, you then go away and work your um, your magic with that third-party data that you bring. And, you know, I know there are other competitors out there. Well, there are other organizations, not necessarily competitors, but other organizations out there which source third-party data to then help you understand X, Y, X, Y, Z. What, what, how do you then go to the point around this is actually your, the ideal customer that you should be um, targeting? Because let's say that the let's say that they're not actually targeting the right people. They think they're targeting the right people. They're not actually targeting the right people. So how are you able to, to guide them on to, to, to kind of that, that journey as it were? Sure. So after we pull all the data, I mean, we get things like interests, values, aspirations. Mm -hmm. We get a uh, geolocation of the person of the company. We get geolocation of, of, yeah, well, the person in the company and many other aspects. So uh, technographic, firmographic, um demographic mm -hmm. but uh one of the biggest misconstruments in the data world is uh behavioral data we nearly don't even touch that stuff it's useless if you're not in b2c it's pretty much useless what what does someone's activity on a website have anything to do with a business's decision seriously what does it have to do with a business's decision i, well, I don't know when i was i always say it, it doesn't it, it doesn't. And these companies sell this AI that looks at behavioral analytics for millions and millions and millions of dollars a year. Mm -hmm. It's great for B2C. So it's great at predicting an impulse buy. Yep. Because you have a very short time frame, usually about an hour and a half, that you can get that ad slapped in their face. So they go, oh, I need that. Boop, just click buy. But yep. businesses do not impulse buy. And 97.3% of the time, give or take, um, they are going to talk to a sales representative before buying in the first place. Yep. So an impulse buy is not going to work. Mm -hmm. It very much depends on the relationships that are built. And what I'm getting to here is that we are looking at the probability that two human beings will be able to connect at a personal level and that the, the selling style is going to match the buying style based okay. off of the selling history that people have had while talking to one another mm -hmm. and while um, interacting. So who has this company sold to in the past? Well, who they've sold to in the past will determine pretty much everything else because the people that they currently work with yeah. are the people that are, they have a lot of different things in common. They have commonalities and there are causative properties behind that. Yeah. So we're looking at all the things that connect those people to that demographic of who the buyer is. So looking at it from both the company level all the way down to the human level. Mm -hmm. Uh, then again, that the, the the logic of that makes sense. And you know, back in my day of doing this internally in professional service firms, you know, we would always say, look at the white space. It's like, well, you sold to you sold our full suite of solutions to this retailer. <laughs> 
these other retailers are pretty much exactly the same as this company. They're going to have more or less the same business problems. So why don't you just go and talk to those people? Because the chances are they're going to want to have a conversation with you based on what you're doing. So all you're doing is just taking this to the, it's the, it's the, I say all you're doing, you're doing some very sophisticated stuff. It's the next layer of that, getting it really down to the granular level, almost that to, the, to your point, the human level of the, 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 Person, no, it's not not personality because he corrects me. It's not personality. It's the common, I guess, common traits match between the seller and the buyer. Yeah. So the way that I put it, I said this all the time, million times and a million times again. People buy from people that they like, that they trust, and that they can relate to. Mm -hmm. In the end, that's it. Yep. Businesses are just a giant organization. Sure, it's some super complex animal that you're looking at, but it's just an organization of people working toward the same values, goals, and uh, objectives with the same mission, you would hope yeah. <laughs> that if they're not, they have some other serious problems they need to take care of before improving their sales. Um, so that, that's really all it is. These people make up the company. A company's personality is built by all of the personalities. Think of it as almost like a hive mind of yeah. all the people working together. And so these different traits that they have, they may all really be a fan of the New York Yankees, or they may like motorcycles, yeah. or they may really have value. Uh, they see their part of their values is children. Mm -hmm. Oh, they could be more progressive. They could be more conservative. So it's yeah. all of these different aspects that make up who they are. Whether somebody needs something or not, people buy things all the time because they felt like it was a good thing. Yeah. That's getting into the psychographic side of things. Are they going to feel like it's right? A perfect example is that we work with insurance companies. That's, that is the perfect example. Mm -hmm. Why do you choose one insurance over another insurance? It's, it's a really good question because I'm just thinking about it now. It's going to be, there's, there is a blend of, of price. It needs to be comparative to, to, um, to everything else. But then to your point, if, if, do I feel safe that if I buy this insurance, then if the shit hits the show, I know that they're going to do me, they're going to do me, do me right. I just say, yeah, it's a, yeah. And, and how do you know if they're going to do you right? Uh, I guess, I mean, this is, you're, I, I get, I get why you're asking these questions It's having to make me think really, really, really hard, but it could be that I, it could be, okay. Start from your know, recommendation from a friend or, or, you know, someone I trust, or it's in terms of the research that I've done, what I've seen, what I've understood, how they've made me feel through the conversation, that buying process. Is there some common, uh, what have you. Now, if I, you know, if I bring this in a real world example in terms of my mortgage broker, Never met the person in my life. Started out as just a, a, a an introduction. I don't even I don't even sense check his pricing because I just know, in terms of that level of f feel and trust towards him, he's not going to do me do me over. And as long as I'm walking this earth and he's walking this earth, we will continue to do business. I don't even need to check pricing. I just don't even because I I trust him implicitly that he's always going to do do right by me. Right. And it's like that. Yeah. Financial advisories, yeah. or if you're talking about uh, insurance companies, these are the perfect example. People buy specific insurances or financial advisor um, services mm -hmm. because they simply had a good conversation and it was just about the relationship that was built. That's it. On fine print, on the services that they offer, the price, it's virtually exactly the same. Yeah. It's commoditized. Yeah, so yeah. you're buying the buyer's journey, the experience that you had with the person. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to that, sure, that is a hefty part of your finances. That is so much trust that you need to have in somebody. But guess what? <laughs> Tell me about you never it. even met the guy in person. You just <laughs> went, you know what? I trust this guy. Let's do it. And what says that you won't just throw your debt over to another company and have them do it with you? Well, if you found a cheaper one, would you switch? 
Probably not. Exactly. And why is that? Is that logical? It's not, but it's a hassle. It's a pain in the it's the pain in the back. All that needs to be done. And I just know that you know for the pain and that's going to call you know, the pain and time, which I don't have at the moment to do that thing. I'm happy to trust you know my 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 broker to do the right thing by me. And sometimes in life, paying cheap is not pay cheap, pay twice, right? <laughs> it's right, right. <laughs> and why, why would a company? So if the CEO is making the decision and they have no idea about anything about sales, why would they switch a CRM? Yep. I mean, that's a fair challenge. It's the, it's the. I mean, typically in my experience, why would you, why would somebody choose change a CRM? Is because the CRM has got such. And I get frustrated with this. It's never the. It's the a CRM is an, in, an inanimate object. A CRM cannot be crap. Yes, okay, functionality. I get it in terms of you know user experience, but fundamentally, it's a dumb object. It's the people that use it are the ones that are the problems. And the reason only someone who changes the CRM is the, the the internal PR has got so bad is that we just have to have a new CRM system because we need to tell the, the business, hey, we're getting a new CRM system. You and I know whether it's a Salesforce or a Dynamics or any other CRM plus CRM system out there, they fundamentally do the same goddamn thing in terms yep. of what a CRM is. <laughs> That's exactly my point, is that there are options out there and there's always competition and there's always... Oh, uh, you know, oh, this one's better because of X, Y, and Z, or that one's better because X, Y, and Z. Really, that's just all marketing bullshit. It's it doesn't mean anything. Uh, a CRM, for example, all it is is a glorified spreadsheet. <laughs> Literally, that's it. But no, if you look at the technology, you break it down into the tiniest pieces, and you really understand what it is. It's a glorified spreadsheet. So, with regards to then the 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 gap or the the challenge that you are um, helping solve is then is that is connecting the right people to the right people so that we start to almost there's a the relate we know that there's going to be rapport and a relationship is going to be built almost straight away because oh i kind of like this this person you you're already on the same wavelength for me yeah i'm going to take a another another call and is that in terms of the the, the outreach is that via phone is that via email is that via so is it via all of it what's kind of typically the method that somebody would use in terms of initiating that first touch point once they've gone through your, your technology and there's the people that we're going to contact. Oh, that's going to be the preferred method of the salesperson. You don't want a cold caller sending emails because they suck at sending okay. emails. It's just based off of the way that they work best. Yeah. And that's it. So we don't dictate any of that because that is that is strictly a seller style. That is yeah. what they are good at. It's where the talent is. It's where their skill mm -hmm. is. So we're not anybody to tell them how they need to do outreach. I mean, we give recommendations saying, hey, if you're doing cold email marketing right now, mm -hmm. statistically, it's useless. Yeah. So don't. You know, so we'll give them recommendations, but um, I mean, cold calling is pretty effective right now. Uh, yeah. It's very ineffective if you're calling offices, but if you got mobile numbers. Yeah. No, I said there's that Jerry shared that McKinsey research out the other day that they analyzed, I think, 60,000 deals in the US and the the large line share of it was the sellers, was the high performing sellers were saying cold outreach was the, is the best way to initiate the um, uh, the, the, the call. It's an, it's an interesting, interesting debate then. Do you, are you, because I guess you're doing this out of kind of a, a whilst you have that individual, per, you, you know who the person is because they've given you first name, surname, what have you. Are you able to get down to the granular level to go, hey, Alex Lowe's in the system. He's, you know, he's right for you. But actually the best way to, to approach him is phone or the best way to approach him is 
is email. Can you get to that level or is that getting to the point where that's starting to impinge on people's, um, I guess, privacy from the- Well, I, I know a company that, that could do that. So we don't do that, but I know another AI company who's legitimate that can do that. Okay. So yeah, I can introduce you to someone who could do that. That's fine. Um, but often that's not the issue. Uh, yeah. it, it's That's not the issue. The issue is just connecting with the right person. That's all. It's connect people to people at an optimized, in an optimized way that is mathematically perfect. And with, with in terms of the you know the, the the math behind it and the AI behind it, I'm I'm making an assumption is that is that that's that's your proprietary um math and, and, and AI and programming, or is that is that built on some fundamental principles of how human beings work? So we had to find uh, those principles because nobody knew how to do it before. Um, yeah. There is I'm not going to give away any of our no, no, of course not. value, but it it's not what you think it is in the sense of how you calculate that. Right. Okay. It is the least obvious. It is, it, it's kind of absurd how it actually works, Right. but uh, there are a lot of different dynamics going on there. Mm -hmm. um, and how do I put this? It's uh, if you knew what we were doing, it would seem like it was all wrong. Okay. Uh, when I say wrong, I don't mean ethically wrong or morally yeah, yeah, yeah. wrong. I mean that it, there's no way it works that way. Yeah. Well, it does. It's extremely complex. Okay. Extre like hyper complex to the point where it's almost, it's borderline absurd. But um, <laughs> it, to be able to turn people into predict predictable numbers, you have to use a level of quantum mechanics. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I don't, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I'm. Math is no way my uh, my strong my strong point in any shape or form. In shape or form. So I will. Uh, I'll, I'm not. I'm not going to challenge you on quantum and quant, quantum um, mechanics and where where that's going to go. So are you able to give some examples then of some of it? Not not you know, using client names or any, any of that sort of thing. If you can give a client name, brilliant. But where they've you know brought your brought you in and brought your technology in and where they were before you, and then white rabbit intel comes in and what what that has then subsequently helped them achieve in terms of i don't know pipeline you know creation or, or increase in in pipeline because of your technology no you're gonna like this it's gonna be fun so one client that we worked with uh let's see here they had a cold outbound outreach uh success rate the success ratio of about half a percent mm -hmm. after working with us in two weeks that increased to seven and a half percent and then we yeah cut their cost of new customer acquisition by 90% in those two weeks as well. Crikey. One company we, yeah, right. Uh, one company we worked with um, in two and a half minutes of data processing, we proved that they've been targeting the wrong people for the past four and a half years. After we proved that they've been targeting the wrong people in the past four and a half years, they couldn't even believe it. They didn't want to, yeah. uh, but they said, you know what, let's humor them. Let's do an outbound outreach campaign. So they did a cold outreach campaign with it. They broke every single monthly record they've had since they started the company 14 years ago in five days. And they had a 4,500% return within those five days in comparison to what they spent processing data. Another company we worked with after four and a half months from our business intelligence insights, they completely pivoted their company. They fired half of their sales team, fired their VP of sales, started a partnership division. And after that pivot, four and a half months later, we got in touch with them. They doubled their revenue from 40 million to 80 million. Within four and a half months. In four and a half months. I mean, I mean that those are some that's some pretty impressive, you know, impressive numbers. And I think you know, I like the fact that you said it's not always necessarily revenue. If you can, you know, you reduce your customer acquisition cost by ninety percent, then you know you're doing, I guess, less 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 deals, but more profitable more profitable deals in shorter time. So you can then churn, you know, churn more um, more of them. And that was a blend. That was you. Was did they find? 
I guess, do you eat your own, there's an English term, eating your own dog food? Of course. Do you then use your own technology to then work out, of course, who we should be selling what we're, we're selling to, I guess? <laughs> yeah, no, it was kind of funny. You said, um, yeah, what would it be if, if you were to run me through the system? I will, after this uh, podcast, I'll literally run your contact data through the system and I'll show you your own score. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd uh, yeah. so it's like this, the social selling index, but on steroids, but the other way, the other way around, I guess, in terms of, uh, in terms of that. So where, I mean, this is, where's the, where's this all going? Because I think it's, there's, there's, there's so much debate out there at the moment. This is dead. That's dead. We're not going back to the new, we're not going back to the way the world was and you know, yada, yada, yada. And you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure some consulting firms or research firms are just changing what was 2025 to now 2025 predictions. What was, what, what, their 2020 prediction, then I was taking the zero to a five, and the prediction remains exactly the um, uh, the same. You know, I was on a Gartner web webinar last week, and it's out there. You know, they were saying that the trend that they are seeing is that a third of the respondents from, so one in three of the respondents to a survey were, I don't want to talk to a salesperson at all during a sales um a, a sales process now you know, to your point around the commoditization of things i can potentially see that starting to happen at the, the the lower end of the market but is that are we really going to be going to a world where sort of the S, the sdr ae construct is done away with completely? oh don't even get me started on that but uh, <laughs> i've got my opinions <laughs> well but <laughs> so just quoting gartner part of the mean. problem actually is that the the fact that the term salesperson has been so just deconstructed. People can't stand salespeople. It's just the, it's just, it's, oh, it's a salesperson. Oh, back off. Oh, yeah. I'm not going anywhere. I don't want to talk to a salesperson. There is not a single sales development representative or an SDR that works at my company. Okay. We don't call them that. Mm -hmm. We don't call our salespeople salespeople. They are account executives. Okay. That's it. Look yeah. at Google. Google. It is literally against their rules to call anybody who works for them. Oh, see, look, it's trying to talk to me, my Google home <laughs> thing. Um, so there's not a single person at their company that is called a salesperson. Mm -hmm. It's against their rules. Yeah. And it's because people have a very adverse reaction because of what happened in 70s, 80s, 90s yeah, yeah. with salespeople, where it was such a hardcore selling thing. People were getting ripped off and all that stuff. So it, it, it was really just impersonal and a problem. And it's really sad because salespeople are supposed to help people solve a problem. Yeah. And one of the biggest problems in the sales industry that I can see is the lack of the ability to be able to solution. If you cannot solution, how are you supposed to help a high level executive solve a problem? Mm -hmm. All you're doing is just spitting out all of these facts and details of all this bullshit of something that you're trying to make commission off of so that it's not for solving the problem. You're just saying some trivial, you know, uh, I mean, tokenized crap to say, yeah. oh, wow, look at this. This is, this is amazing. I have this amazing thing. You need it. And they go, well, what do I do with it? How do I implement this? Well, if you can't solution, then how are you supposed to sell anything? Yep. So I had a whole conversation with Ben Hippelli on this. Uh, no, no, it's, as I said, it's, 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 I think it's just, it's just the debate. I've, you know, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm, a, I'm a salesperson through and through. I used to be in recruitment for my, my sins in, in, in a previous life, just bashing the phones. And I almost, it's almost become, it's a bit like CRM. It's almost become a self-fulfilling belief that just because you're a salesperson, you're now a horrible person and I don't want to talk to you because it's the same with all CRM systems are, are crap. They're not. It's the people that use it and how they built that into that process. But if I did revert back to, um, and I don't like putting words in front of the word selling, so modern selling, digital selling, social selling, blah, blah, blah. But 
you know, in terms of what Forrester are now talking about in the, in the in the world of guided selling, which I see very much as a part of that around, you know, using data to have better conversations with the right person at the right time, at the right, at the right, on, you know, about the right thing, as it were. To your point around SDR, you know, sales, you know, sales, per, sales people, salespersons will have a SDRs um, not being able to solution. Is is, the, is is this book coming down to a training thing? Is this coming down to a skills thing in order to stay relevant for the next five, 10 years of where this is all heading? That that's what they need to be looking at from a skill set. If you're, you know, if you're, if you're a salesperson, you know, SDR, BDR, whatever, even AE, you need to be thinking about how do I learn how to solution and how do I learn to understand data more effectively, would you say? Confidence, competence, executive, uh, executive image, right? Yep. Or uh, executive presence is what mm -hmm. it's known as. Yeah. So confidence, competence, executive presence, and being able to actually have the ability to want to help people. Okay. Want it. Yeah. It's a, a lot of salespeople. They don't want to help anybody. They just want to make a lot of money. Yeah. Money, 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 money. When it's about them, it's no longer about the customer. They're not going to be able to sell, especially like times like now, how everything's kind of a mess. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's been better for some and it's been worse for others. Yeah. But if you're not trying to solve a problem or help somebody, you're not doing your damn job. Okay. It's that's as simple fair. as that. Yep. And that's why people can't stand salespeople because they've been ripped off one too many times. Fair enough. And I think that's, 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 to that's totally fair. Um, so where, wh wh what's the vision of, of white rabbit? Let's, you know, where, do, where do you want to, where do you want to be? Where, where is this all, all going? Cause you're solving this problem. It's a pretty big problem. No, no two ways about it, but where do you, where do you, where do you see it all going just in, in the round of this kind of fun world of, you know, genuine AI or unsupervised AI, as you um, uh, as you reference in, in in the world of sales and selling, are we are we at the start of this, or are we are we? The, I'm thinking of the got in a bloody hype cycle thing. Where 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 are we on that? Oh, for sure. So we want to solve this uh, this problem across the world. We want to help people. So we want to help salespeople help people again. Yeah. and do the right thing and talk to the right people. One of the biggest issues in the sales world is that people treat sales as a numbers game. Yeah. The people who win are the people who reach out to the most people and have the most conversations, who set the most meetings. It's a quota-based industry, which is disgusting. Mm -hmm. You can't put a quota on people. People sell differently. If they're having valuable conversations, you cannot have 50 calls in a day. You can have maybe six. Yeah. If they're not having valuable conversations, the reason there's quotas is because, you know, I like using this analogy. You can lift as many rocks as you'd like on a beach right? You're trying to find something living underneath. You just flip all the rocks till you find something living underneath. You might find something living underneath or you'll flip 100, 200, 5,000 rocks until you find something living underneath. Why the hell would you do that if you knew what the rock looked like, if you knew a beach to go onto and you knew the location of the rock? You just flip the rock, one out of two, boom, there's something living underneath. You can now have that good conversation. Like it's, it's insanity. They're doing, you're doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, expecting a different result. That's absolutely absurd. It's ridiculous. So if you're able to have the data that behind it to do your job better and so that you can talk to the people that you can talk to, how much would that increase sales per, a salesperson's morale? Yeah. Think about this. If you have a list of 10,000 contacts and you get handed off to an SDR, what are they going to do? They can probably, I don't know, put them into an, outre an outreach or a sales lot or something and just churn through it and just send out 10,000 emails or they try and make 10,000 calls or, 
or just look at that and go, I'm not going to do anything. It's just too big. <laughs> yeah. So they're going to start from the top and they're going to yeah. work their way to the bottom yeah. or they might give up in the middle. Yeah. Right. So what if we can turn that list of 10,000 into 250 opportunities and 750 maybes? Yeah. Then the other 9,000, throw them out. Yeah. I mean, it did. It, it, it makes perfectly logical business sense, you know, to, to me. It takes you back to my, uh, you know, I, I don't want to digress on, on me, my, my game, my, my time back in my recruitment days where they started to bring out call recording, as in the, the length of conversation. And we were on capped commissions and there were three of us who were always bottom of the list in terms of being on the phone for the longest. But we kept on saying to our, our you know, our directors are like, yes, but we're the top of the board in terms of revenue. So you pay me more money, I'll make more smarter conversations. But until that happens, I'm not making more phone calls because I don't need to because I'm hitting my, you know, hitting my number. They eventually stopped, stopped with that. The average, um, the average cold call is about two and a half minutes long. The average successful cold call is about five minutes and 17 seconds long. There we go. Speaks for itself right there. It if you're on the phone twice as long, you're having better conversations. Yeah. The phone is twice as long. You're having better conversations, and it's 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 you know it is so very very true. Um, so so one other thing is that where we really want to be is that uh, my goal. I want to build this into a multi-billion-dollar company by the end of 2023. Okay, that's where I want to be, uh, like you know, valuation-wise, right? Yeah. But outside of that, what I want to do is that I want to correct this. It goes much further than that. If people can do better business, if business is optimized, then more people can have better conversations. Businesses save a ton of money. Everybody makes more money. Therefore, we're injecting the ecosystem of what we call our economy yeah. with much more positive and profitable everything, pretty much. Uh, beyond that point, when we're able to do that, they can hire more people. Therefore, unemployment goes down lower. And then everybody's happier throughout the world. Other countries that are developing can now develop more effectively, faster, better, stronger. And it does the entire world a favor. It keeps everything flowing. If you've ever heard of this thing called money velocity, mm -hmm. that is why money is worth anything. That's why the GDP goes up or down. It's money velocity. Money is called currency for a reason because it's like a current. It's like water. Yeah. As soon as you dam up that wall, the economy crashes because the ecology on the other side of that dam all dies and it throws everything off. So when people think I need to save money, that's actually poisonous to the economy. People don't know that because they don't know about macroeconomics. Yeah. So when, when COVID happened, for example, everybody stopped spending. Why do you think the economy crashed? Because everybody was trying to quote unquote, save money. When that currency doesn't have a current, mm -hmm. it dies. That's how it works. So if everything's moving faster, better, stronger, when it comes to the movement of money between businesses and the effectiveness of conversations, also the mental health of the people that we call salespeople that everybody hates and everybody frowns upon, that is going to do so much good for this world. And it goes so much further than that. It goes so much further than that. And then we want to get into team building. We want to get into HR. We want to get into all of those things where mm -hmm. we can build the artificial intelligence for all of those things to optimize business processes completely. And then we could start moving into things outside of the business world. I mean, what a way to end a podcast. I mean, that's, that's awesome, Rob, a, a vision that is beyond the, the, the vision of capitalism. It's beyond, um, you know, everything that can help. And I, you know, I completely agree with you. I think that we're going to come back better and stronger from, 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 from all of this in terms of where, where we're at. And it's awesome to have technology companies like you that are, that are trying to genuinely solve a problem, but with for the greater good of where it's going to, um, uh, where it's going to take us. Where can people, where can I direct people to uh, find you if they want to learn more about um, what White Rabbit Intel does and how you might be able to, uh, to help them? 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, you could follow me on LinkedIn or connect with me however you'd like. And then uh, our website is www.whiterabbitintel.com. That's rabbit with two Bs. You have no idea how many people spell that word wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's where you can find us. And uh, I have a podcast as well, which I would like to have you on. Uh, it's called Down the Rabbit Hole. Uh, and it is awesome. It's all just entrepreneurs, disruptors, all that good stuff, sales, marketing, and everything like that. Uh, so uh, the, the people who are really trying to make a difference in this world. So I think that could be pretty cool. Uh, We'd be delighted to be a guest on your um, your podcast. But Rob, Rob Turley, thank you so much um, today for affording me your time. I know you're super busy. And to everybody else listening uh, in the ether, uh, thank you as always for tuning in and uh, downloading now well over 3,000 downloads to my podcast. So thank you all very much. We will watch on YouTube. Um, hello. And you know what to do. If you want to come on this podcast um, or this vlog, just hit me up or recommend somebody that should be on this uh, podcast and let me know. But otherwise, Rob, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. And uh, to my listeners, thank you also. Thank you. Wherever you may be. <laughs>